You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Good morning. Welcome home. Uh, my name is Mike, lead pastor here at the church if we haven't met. So glad that you're with us. To those of you watching online, good morning. Uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you're thawed out. Everybody was able to make it out of their house today. That's always a win, right? Congratulations, you survived Ice-mageddon 2024. Um, I, you know, I'm from the Midwest. I have friends back there. And they're like, do you guys get a lot of snow? It looked beautiful. And I'm like, no, we just get a lot of ice. And it's, not, it's really not that beautiful uh, in the valley, at least. You know, they don't, they don't get that. Um, but we, uh, I hope you were able to join us online. We were online only last Sunday. We didn't want to risk people being out on the roads and, and all of that chaos. Um, I, I'm glad we have technology so we can still like worship even from home and all those kind of things. But being stuck at home for four or five days, I tell you what, it, it made my fast a lot more intense. Anybody else? I was doing pretty good. Uh, we, we as a family, we decided we were going to give up snacks and sugar. Uh, and so, I, you know, been, been feeling pretty good about that. But then you get stuck in your house for a few days, and Satan is like licking his chops, and everything is like talking to you from the cabinet. Um, you know, I, I, there were a lot of prayer times. Let me just say that. There, there was one that's like, Jesus, I know you turned water into wine. What could you do with this carrot? Is there, is there something you could do for me? Because I am going downhill, man. Um, no, I hope, I hope your uh, first two weeks of prayer and fasting have been, have been fruitful and challenging and good. Um, judging by the turnout two weeks ago and again from today, I'd, I'd say we're ready for this. Uh, dare say hungry for this. That was a groaner. You guys missed it. You missed it. Um, two weeks ago and, and really again today for the most part, we, we're packing this place out right now. Like, like God is, is stirring. He's moving people. He's drawing people to himself. I think people are hungry for just something that's true and real that they can sink their teeth in and base their life on. Um, and the, as the world gets crazier, I think people would just search more and more for something stable and an anchor for their soul. Um, and so th- this is awesome. Um, this has been fun. Next week, uh, we're going to actually just have a morning of worship and testimonies where you can share what God's doing in your life and what you learned throughout these 21 days. So come ready to, to share that. Um, but just like fasting can bring on some hunger pains, and that means you're actually probably doing it right, growth in a church can kind of do the same thing. Okay, so I don't know what our attendance is today, probably pretty close to this, but two Sundays ago, uh, right before the ice storm, if you were here, we had 366 people for worship and over the two hours that we gathered together. And that's awesome, right? On the one hand, you're like, yeah, that's amazing. If you came to this service two weeks ago, you really felt it, right? We had over 200 people in our building at that hour alone. And some of you, one of you actually told me like, I had to park like three blocks away. And maybe even this morning, you're like, I didn't know where to park and um, all that kind of stuff. So yay, God, right? Uh, there's a lot of churches that would love to have this problem. These are the kind of problems I pray for. I ask God to cause these kinds of problems in my life. 
Um, but it's a little bonkers. It's a little crazy, okay? So two things on that. This is a little bit of a family meeting, okay? Just, just for a second. Um, first off, I want to apologize. We ran out of prayer guides two weeks ago, which is really, you know, kind of a bummer because it was the start of our, of our series in our 21 days. So if you didn't get one, there's more printed out there. I realize we only have a week left, but maybe this is your first time here and you're like, well, I want to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, I'll start right now. There's 30 more printed out there. At least there was. Um, feel free to grab one. There's also on our website, if you click on resources, uh, there's a, a digital copy there for you. But then second of all, to help with some of the congestion uh, as we grow, especially in our kids' spaces, we had over 50 kids last, last time at just the 10 o'clock alone. We need at least 25 people to jump from this service to the earlier service at 830, which by the way is full, but not as full. <laughs> Okay, we need 25 people to make the jump. Now, I know that's not easy, easy uh, or even possible for some of us, right? Some of us don't have that kind of flexibility. Um, if your option is I can either come to 10 o'clock or I can't come to church, please come to 10 o'clock, okay? Um, and, and I know for those of us who have flexibility, it would still be a sacrifice because 10 o'clock is our preference. But we'll do it because we believe God's mission is more important than our comfort. That's the only reason you would do this. It's the same service, right? It's the same pastor. It's the same coffee. It's the, same. It, the only reason you would do this is because you go, wow, I think God's moving and, and I want to make room for, for more people. Um, several of you have already made this move in the past. You, we actually had other, you know, I don't know if you guys were here back in the 9 and 1045 days, but some of you moved from 1045 to this service. And so this would be like, you know, the third time for some of you that you've made this jump, which is one of the reasons I believe we continue to grow. Because not only does that make room physically in our building, I think it makes room spiritually. I think God looks at a church willing to do that and says, wow, those people really care about my lost kids. And they'll do whatever it takes. They'll, they'll, they'll set aside their preferences. They'll set aside their comfort to reach one more person for me. I think I'm going to send them somebody else. So I think this is actually part of why and how we keep growing. And so uh, we also know that most first-time guests come to church at 10 o'clock. Uh, in fact, there's, I've met a few of you today. And so we're glad that you're here. This is normally the hour that if you're like, ah, I want to go and check out church. Um, not so much at 830, though, right? <laughs> uh, we, and so we want to make sure we have room at this service in particular uh, for people who are, are hungry for God, who are just coming for the first time and checking it out. So here's the real hard sell. You ready? we particularly need some young families to make the jump. How many of us know 8.30 service with young kids isn't easy, <laughs> right? It's not easy. I mean, my kids live here. They're used to it. But it's hard, and I get that. And so I've got a bribe. I'm just calling it what it is. I've got a bribe for you. If you are one of the first 25 people next week to come back and you come to 8.30, and you come up to me or Betsy or Shelly or any of our pastors and say, hey, I'm normally a 10 o'clocker, but I'm coming to 8.30 from now on. Um, we've got a $10 gift card to Lucky You Coffee across the street because you need it. You need it, okay? If anybody needs it, you need it, right? Um, which, by the way, I wanted to mention, Brian and Rachel Waters, they were actually here at 8.30. Um, they actually recently bought Lucky You. So our church now, our, some people in our church now own the coffee shop across the street, which is really cool. And we're going to be collaborating on some stuff and some extra parking is going to be opening up over there and um, there'll be some cool collaboration. So support Lucky You, all right? Get your caffeine fix over there across the street. And um, unless you're fat, someone might be fasting from caffeine. I'm sorry. 
Let's all stop right now. Heavenly Father, for Hannah. No, I did that a couple of years ago. I'm not doing it this year for a reason. Like that was, my family was like, dad, no, you're not, you're not fasting from caffeine again. So, all right. But if some of you can make that jump, that would be huge. We'll be looking into a third service soon and doing all the things we can do to alleviate that. But this is exciting. This is good news, right? This is what we want as a church. I've never been to a part of church to go, I really hope less people go to that one. Um, this is, this is cool. So, uh, let's dive in. We're week three of 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you're just catching up week one, we talked mostly about fasting. So you can go online and, and learn about that. Uh, last week I was online only. So glad to be done with that. Um, I'm glad that it's online for you who have it, but I have a face for radio. I'm not really into that. So, uh, I, some of you didn't catch that, did you? Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, but we're, I want to talk more about prayer. I talked about, I gave you a model of prayer online last week. I want to talk more about why we pray today. And specifically, why, why pray, right? That video kind of opened up that question for us. Why do we pray? Why is prayer so important? Why do followers of Jesus make prayer such a big deal, such a vital part of their relationship with God? And I want to give you the answer right up front. Right? Normally, I like to build a little suspense, you know? kind of bury the lead, get you leaning in, and, and oh, here it is. I want to just give it to you right up front. You can take a picture of this, or it's in the Bible app if you go to events. Here's the reason why prayer is so important for the Christian life. Are you ready? Because God has chosen prayer as the primary path to his presence and power. That's a lot of peace. Hopefully, it'll help you remember it. God has chosen prayer as the primary path to his presence and power. He's God. I'm not. He's God. He could have set it up any way that he wanted to. But he chose in his wisdom and his sovereignty and under his command, he chose prayer as an instrument. as not the only path, right? There's lots of ways to connect with God. But as the primary path to his presence and his power. And I need those. I so need those. That's why we pray. That's why I pray. Now, there's lots of scriptures we could look at to unpack this. The one that first came to my mind, though, was 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If you've got a Bible, uh, there's a few sprinkled around in the seats. Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Again, if you're in the Bible app, click on events, find our church. All these are loaded in there. This is a passage, at least one verse of which you've probably heard before if you've been in church at all your life. Um, but there's a bigger context here. So what's happening is they are dedicating the temple. Right? Israel has just built the temple. And this is kind of the ribbon-cutting ceremony to the whole thing. And so Solomon, he's the king at the time, he offers this incredible prayer about the temple, asking God to meet with his people at the temple. And when he finishes, in the first part of 2 Chronicles 7, it says, fire comes from heaven and consumes the sacrifice that they had placed there on the altar. And then the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Okay, so that happens right before what I'm about to read. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11. It says, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer. Okay, I have heard your prayer. And have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Verse 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, here's the verse you've probably heard before, if my people, 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name will be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Okay, verse 14 is that one we quote a lot. If, if my people will humble themselves and they'll repent, they'll turn from their sin and pray, God says, I'll hear them. And I'll respond. In this case, he says, I'll heal their land. I, I will hear their prayers and I will respond to their prayers. But don't miss this. The context of all of this is the dedication of the temple, right? A place. God says, my eyes will always be there. My ears will always be attentive to the prayers prayed in that place, which is why um, the Jews constructed so much of their spirituality around the temple because of passages just like this. Um, so a lot of the festivals were about going to the temple, taking a pilgrimage to the temple, uh, bringing your sacrifices to the temple, praying at the temple. Why? Why was the temple such a big deal? Because God's power and presence dwelled there. Now, now God's power and presence was everywhere, right? You, if you read the Old Testament, it wasn't like God's presence just showed up in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, right? God, God is moving and active and doing all kinds of things. But in a very unique way, there was a sense of, okay, if I want to meet with God, I've got to go there. It wasn't the only place, but it was a special place where heaven and earth touched. 500 years after what we just read, this ribbon-cutting ceremony, the temple was destroyed. I don't know if you know that story, but this, God told them that if they stopped following his law, that he was going to let the other nations come in and, and conquer them. And that's what happened. And Babylonians come in, they destroy the temple, they burn it to the ground. A um, little while later, some Jews were allowed to return back to that place and rebuild what we call the second temple. Want to guess what happened 500 years later? It was destroyed again. Imagine that. Imagine having so much of your spirituality tied up to this place and watching it burn. Watching every brick destroyed and laying in ruins. Can't imagine that. Today, what's left of the second temple um, is what's known as the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall in Jerusalem. Now, you can go there. You can see this for yourself. Millions of people Every year, go to this place. They take pilgrimages still um, to this place, and they spend time there in prayer and, and crying out to God. That's why it's called the Wailing Wall, and crying out to God. Um, you can't really tell, but if you can zoom in on this wall, there's even in the cracks between uh, the stones, they'll slip little pieces of paper that they've written these prayers on, and they, they stick those in there. And um, a couple times a year, twice a year, these rabbis that are assigned to, to the wall will come, and they'll collect all of those prayers, and they bury them on the Mount of Olives nearby. And so it's a special place, okay? I'm not, I'm not knocking doing that at all. Uh, I was actually supposed to be there next month. That's not going to work out too well. Uh, but hopefully someday I'll get to see this in person. And guess what? I'll probably pray. I will be moved to pray. I, I believe there is something special about this place. God said his heart and his eyes will always be there. But the New Testament insists that God's temple is actually alive and well. 
It just doesn't look like that anymore. It's not one big wall or one big building fixed to one spot on earth. It's actually 2.5 billion temples of all shapes and sizes, and they're mobile. They can move. Okay, flip over to the New Testament with me. If you've got a Bible, flip over to Acts chapter 2. If you want a Bible, by the way, you can stop by Connection Point. We've got a few down there. You can take one yourself. Acts chapter 2. So go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Get over to Acts. There's another moment, like 2 Chronicles chapter 7, where fire falls from heaven. Except this time it doesn't fill a building. It fills a people. You might know the story. It's called Pentecost. The disciples are in a room. They're, what are they doing? They're praying. And it says, fire like tongue, tongues of fire like danced above them. It's kind of weird, right? Has that ever happened to you? It's never happened to me. And Peter sees what's going on and he figures it out. He says, oh, this is that thing that the prophet Joel talked about. He quotes Joel, this Old Testament prophet, and says, that's, that's happening right now. There's a shift taking place. God is moving. He's doing something. And so in Acts chapter 2, he quotes the book of Joel, this Old Testament prophet. And here's what he says. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants right, or slaves. Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And wouldn't you know, after Peter says this, and then he explains to this big crowd that's gathered about who Jesus is and how it connects to the Old Testament and the prophets and, and what they need to do in response. It says 3,000 people do what that just says. They call on the name of the Lord, Jesus, right? There's a shift. They call on the name of the Lord, Jesus, and they repent. They humble themselves and they're baptized and they're saved, right? 3,000 people. What's really wild is where. Do you know where this is happening? I never realized this. I, I was studying this this week and put, trying to put all the pieces together because I'm, I'm like, if this is happening in the upper room, it says 3,000 people got baptized. What kind of room are they in? Like, how does that work? The room, I could use like a room of 300. That'd be all right. But how, where's this 3,000 room? And you start piecing it together and you realize the reason the crowd is there is because it's the festival of Pentecost or Shavuot in, in Hebrew. Um, they're there to give thanks to God for the harvest, to celebrate his provision and to bring their sacrifices to the temple. They're there to go to the temple. Why? Because that's where God's presence is. That's where his power is. That's where he hears you. That's where he responds to you. It's all about the temple. And yet this takes place right outside the temple. Right? A lot of scholars believe on the southern stairs leading into the temple because that's where also they had all of these little uh, ritual bathing spots. And that's probably what they used to baptize 3,000 people. So right outside the temple... God is already moving. 
It's 9 a.m., which was one of the ritual prayer times for Jews. They're gathering to pray. And as they pray, God's spirit and power is unleashed. Now go one chapter over to Acts chapter 3. You need to have your Bibles because I could just be totally making this stuff up. You know, you never know about me. I'm kind of honorary like that. So Acts chapter 3. Look at the next story. This is wild. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. So that's another one of the set times of prayer. Where are they going? They're going in the temple, right? Why? Because that's where God's power and presence is. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from it. Money, right? Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and singing, praise the Lord, oh my soul, right? I'm sure that's what they were singing, something like that. Do you understand what's going on here? This guy is camped outside the temple for years. His friends bring him there and they're like, here, you know, beg, get what you need to provide for yourself so you can live. And so he's trying to get money from everybody coming and going into the temple because he's not allowed any further inside. Because at that time, some religious leaders had interpreted a passage in the Old Testament to say that if you had any kind of defect, any kind of physical deformity, you were forbidden for going any further into the temple because that sign of physical deformity was a sign of spiritual deformity. So that's as close as he can get to the power and presence of God. And Peter and James, after what just happened in Acts chapter 2, roll up on this guy and go, oh, you don't know, you, you don't have to go in there for that. How about you get up and walk right here? Do you see this? And then after he's healed, he's jumping, he's singing, he's praising. Then they go where? Inside the temple, not to find God's power, but to celebrate it. Are you tracking? God's presence came out to him. You don't have to go to a specific place to get God's attention. You, you don't need to go to a specific spot or building for heaven and earth to touch. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think church is important. Are you shocked to find out that your pastor thinks you should go to church? <laughs> pastor said we don't need to go to church. No, I didn't say that, right? This, this rhythm, this is what this is, this weekly gathering to study, to pray, to worship, to, to you know, be together, to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Like, we need this, right? This community is vital to our spiritual health. Um, you, like, you know, obviously there's, there's things that come up, but church is important. And this should be an, an absolute, you know, non-negotiable in our life. 
but I don't come here because this is where God's power and presence is and, and I can't find it anywhere else. God's power and presence has left the building. Right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, Paul is writing, and here's what you need to understand. He's writing this, and there's temples everywhere. He's in Corinth. Um, this, this Roman colony of, of Corinth had all kinds of temples, pagan temples. So they were familiar with temple language. And the second temple of Judaism, the one that, that I was talking about, it's still standing. It hasn't been destroyed yet. Okay, think about that. The rebuilt version of Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, actually, is still there when Paul says what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? You think, well, yeah, there's nothing. I mean, Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, like, of course, idols and God's presence don't really match, right? <laughs> then he flips it. He says, for we are the temple of the living God. Oh, he's not talking about a building, is he? And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. You know how radical that would have been for somebody, like living with physical temples all around to hear someone say, actually, the, real the temple is us. Notice it's plural. It's not I'm a little temple and you're a little temple and let's get our temples together. No, it's, it's we, the people of God, we are the temple. And what is the primary activity of the temple? If you actually read the Second Corinthians, or Second Chronicles chapter 7, it's the same thing that Solomon was focused on. It's the same thing that got Jesus so upset. You know when Jesus, the most mad you ever see Jesus in the gospels is when he comes into the temple and they're swapping and they're selling stuff and they're taking advantage of the poor and they're doing everything than what they're supposed to be doing. And Jesus flips tables and he grabs a whip and he drives people out of there and he says, my house will be known as a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. That's what my house is known for. Prayer for all nations. That's what this house should be known for. That's what God's temple, that's the main activity of God's temple is prayer. Prayer is where heaven and earth collide. It's the thing that keeps us connected to God. It's the thing that invites his power and presence into our lives. Right? Wherever we're at, we can pray, and when we pray, we know God hears us. His eyes and his, what, what did Solomon say? His eyes and his ears will always be attentive to the temple. Well, who's the temple? We're the temple. When you pray, God's eyes and ears are always attentive, always hear you. We're a few weeks um, removed from Christmas. I love Christmas. It, it's probably my favorite holiday. It wasn't always growing up. I never, I wasn't a big holiday person, right? I, I was never really into holidays. My family didn't do a lot for holidays growing up. And so even when Cassie and I first got married, it was kind of like, okay, Christmas, you know, we'll do the thing. Then you have kids and it's like Christmas, you know, and uh, they're all into it. So you kind of have to get a little more into it, but they just, they bring out a magic or a fun to Christmas that maybe you don't have as an adult. One of the most frustrating things though, as an adult, during Christmas is, you know, you get this gift in your mind that's just going to be awesome. You know, the kids are going to love this thing. And, um, or nowadays, they've put it on their own Amazon wish list is kind of where we're at. So they're not that surprised. Oh, wow, mom. Um, but they open it up, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And the dads are like, what did we get them? You know, and it's awesome. And <laughs> just me? Am I the only one? 
What did I buy them? <laughs> cool. And so they open it up and they're like, I want to play with this right now. I don't want to wait. You know, let's get open. And so you grab a pair of scissors and things are like encased in that super thick plastic that you're like, how do you get this open? And you're trying not to break the toy and whatever. And so you finally get it open and, and they flip the switch on and it doesn't do anything. It just sits there lifeless. And you're like, I could have sworn this thing like spun and danced and talked to them and because everything's like got Wi-Fi now, you know, or whatever. Like this thing was supposed to be a party and, and what, what's going on? And so you, you jump online, you go onto YouTube and troubleshoot and you find message boards. And you, after you've exhausted all possibilities, only then you read the instructions, right? <laughs> and you see these words, batteries not included. <gasps> Wish I would have known that beforehand, right? Wish I would have known that. I would have had some on hand or even put it in there ahead and rewrapped it or, or whatever. It's just a letdown, right? You got this awesome toy. You build up all this excitement for it. This is going to be great. And then it just, it's a dud because it lacks power. Has nothing, it just has no life in it. That is the Christian life without prayer. Like, I look back in my life in seasons and I think about the times I felt the closest to God, the times that I felt like, like God was alive and active in my life, or there was just this power against temptation, and there was just like, like God was moving in our church. And those were the times that I always made prayer a priority. Now, the seasons in my life where prayer has just kind of been an activity that I had on a list that I kind of checked off the boxes whenever I could, or I mostly just prayed when I was at church or, or whatever, I look back at those seasons and they, they kind of felt lifeless. They, they just lacked so much intimacy with God. They, they lacked power. They lacked purpose. And the reason why is I read 2 Chronicles 7 and I read Acts chapter 2. The reason is because without prayer, the temple is lacking its fire. The temple was lacking its fire. I don't think it's a coincidence that we started 21 days of prayer and fasting and have grown like 20 to 30% as a church in three weeks. This is the engine. This is the heart of, of God's temple is prayer. And we have direct access to God. I hope I never get tired of that. I hope I never wake up one day and go, oh, yeah, yeah, God hears me when I pray. That's cool. Like, I have direct access. I don't understand that. I don't know why God would want to hear me. I don't know why he invites me to talk to him. I just think that's insane that he even cares what I think. But I have direct access to God. When Jesus died, the Bible says there was this massive curtain in the temple, right, the holy architecture. There's this temple that separated where everybody else could hang out and where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence was thought to dwell, especially in the Holy of Holies. And only once a year, only one guy, the high priest, could go in behind that curtain and talk to God on behalf of everybody else. And the gospel says that when Jesus died, that temple, this massive temple curtain, tore from top to bottom. That's on purpose. That was a symbol to tell us, hey, 
You have direct access to me. Nothing can keep you from my presence. If you seek me, you will find me. When you cry out to me, I will hear you. No matter who you are, no matter where you are. Because it used to be in that setup, God's spirit was over here and I was over here. That's not true anymore. God's spirit is right here. And he's there 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 and he's he's with you watching online. The temple, the, the curtain has been torn. We have direct access to God. We're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's cool. Seriously? So we can pray in confidence wherever we're at, knowing God not only hears us, but he's, he wants to respond, right? Now, he won't always respond the way that I want him to. That's frustrating. My carrot was still a carrot. <laughs> so mad. He doesn't always give us what we want, right? He's not a genie in the sky. He doesn't work for us. It's why we pray. I talked about this a little bit on the video last week. It's why we pray in line with God's will because we want what he wants because whatever he wants is better than what I want. I can promise that. But we pray knowing that he is just as eager to hear us and respond to us as we are to seek him. And we pray because Prayer is what he has chosen in his wisdom and his sovereignty as the primary path to his presence and power. If we really believed that, how much time would we pray? I don't think prayer would just be like a thing that we did for 21 days. I don't think prayer would be like a, oh yeah, I do that from 8.30 to 8.35, you know, every morning. I think if we really believe that prayer is where we encounter God's presence and power, I think we'd pray a lot more. I think it would become the primary activity of his church. I think it'd become the main thing that I care about, that I can't start my day without, that I want to go to bed without. I think prayer would would saturate my life if I really believed that. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to, we're just going to pray. Um, I had another illustration and I was like typing it out and I was like, oh, this is good. You know, it's going to land the plane. Everybody's going to be like, that was so good. And it was good. It was really good. I'm not even joking. I started to type it out and I just felt in my spirit. God doesn't talk to me audibly. I'm not, not that special, but I just felt in my spirit. I felt God say, Mike, you talk a lot about prayer. How about you just do it? Would you just shut up and pray? And so I stopped and I prayed and then I just thought, maybe that's just what we should do on Sunday. Imagine that. Imagine we should pray at church. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I want to invite Colette up here, Colette Niebachen. You can pray about whatever you want to pray about, but I want to pray over Colette today. Uh, Next Thursday, Colette takes off for Cambodia for 10 days. We've talked a little bit about Colette recently. She has accepted a call to be a missionary full-time with Global Partners in Cambodia. But this is her trip to kind of get to know the team, uh, kind of just get the lay of the land, figure out what their vision is, what they're already doing, how you can partner with them. And then she's going to come back. She's got a few other churches she's got to visit, but then she's going to give us a report of how it went, and she's going to share more about what she's doing and how you guys can be involved, how you can be praying for her, how you can support her financially, all those kinds of things. But this morning, we just want to pray for this trip specifically and pray over, sorry, pray over, talk with my hands a lot, um, pray over Colette. Um, and so if you want to join us, you're welcome to come up here. Uh, we're going to pray for her. If you want to stay where you're at, you can pray right where you're at. You can extend a hand if you want. By the way, when, if, that's kind of weird maybe. 
This isn't like, I'm beaming power. I'm like Iron Man or, you know, Spider-Man or whatever. It's, it's, this is you just praying in agreement. This is you supporting. This is you saying, I, I just agree with those prayers. I'm praying in my own way where I'm at um, and concentrating those on, on Colette. So we're going to do that. Anybody wants to come, come on up. 30 seconds. I'm timing it. I'm timing it, Lisa. Come on, Cora. You want to come pray with us? Anybody else want to pray with Cora? All right. We're going to pray for Colette. Do you believe that God hears Cora's prayers as much as mine? I do. All right. Let's pray. Father God, this is your temple. We are, we are your people. And we are engaging in the primary activity of your temple. We are seeking you. We are seeking your face, knowing that when we pray that you hear us and that your face and your ears and your eyes are attentive to us this morning. So there's lots of things that we want to pray about, but this morning specifically, we want to pray for Colette, Lord. We want to ask you to fill her with your spirit. We know that you've called her and set her aside for you, that you've set her apart for this. This is your mission, not hers. And you are already working in Cambodia. You are already moving and stirring. She's simply joining you in what you're already doing. So we pray for her as she goes next week. We pray for safe travels and that all the logistics and all the, the doors that need to be open would stay open and that she would get there quickly and safely, Lord. But bigger than that, I just pray that you would give her the eyes to see your movement, that she would sense what you're doing in the people, in her team, in the country, and that you would stoke that flame that you've already got burning in her, that you would make it even more white hot for this mission that you have given her. That, that she would just come back so ready and so eager to, not that she would want to necessarily like ditch us and leave us, but she would just like, I got to get back there because that's where God has me. And, and then after she'd get back, that she'd be able to raise the support and do all the things she needs to do to get back there. Um, God, I pray that you would stretch her, that you would grow her, that you would make her more like you, Jesus, that you would provoke the fruits of the Spirit in her life, that she would know that she's not going alone. She's going with your presence, but she's also going with the prayers and the, the, the thoughts of, of all of us. And we're just so eager to see what you're going to do in her life and in the lives of all those she comes in contact with, believing that this is your plan. We need you. We need your power. We need your presence. And we ask for that on Colette. We, we also pray for her parents, Kurt and Brenda, and knowing that they've, they've got some mixed emotions. I'm sure they're excited, but it's also sad to see one of your kids go, go off. But man, what a way to go out, to serve the Lord. So we pray for your strength and your comfort and your peace for them as Colette is there. We know you hear us. We know you love us. And you will respond in your wisdom and according to your will. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love Cora. Someone said, I believe one of you said that God hears her prayers more than mine. I'm a little, a little offended. I thought they were equal, but it's fine. We're going to end things right there. If you need prayer for something, we have prayer partners available for you out by the prayer wall. It's kind of a new thing we started. You want to pray for someone else? You need prayer for something in your own life? Please stop by and, and pray with those people. They'd love to meet with you. 
Um, stop by the connection point. All of the things that Betsy and Cassie talked about are out there to sign up for. But we also have, I wanted to mention, we have a men's breakfast sign up out there. We also have the progressive dinner that's taking place next Sunday for adults only. Today's the last day you can sign up for that. It's going to be fun. It's another way to have uh, you know fun with adults and, and people, real people. Uh, so go sign up for that. Otherwise, we'll see you back here next week for what we're just going to call Celebration Sunday as we kind of close our fast together. Have a good week. Thanks again for joining us. It was really awesome having you today. God loves you and is with you, and we hope that you encountered him in some way today. If you would like to talk to somebody today about the message, you might need prayer about something that's going on in your life, or you're new and you want to learn more about Mountain View, please text the word NEW to the number below on your screen. We want to see you back here next time. And if you're in the Almsville, Oregon area, please stop by and see us in person. In the meantime, all of our past services and more information about Mountain View can be found at our website, almsville.church. So go check it out and we'll see you soon. Grace and peace. Bye.